Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Somebody say, oh yeah. Oh, oh, oh. What's up? You better than Oprah. Come on, y'all. This is Sean T. And it's time to trust and believe. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Trust and Believe. I'm your host, Sean T. And oh my goodness, today is going to be a fantastic day because we have the one and only most inspirational motivator. I don't even know if I want to call this person a motivator. I think I want to say most inspirational soul lifter that I've ever met in my entire life. And a lot of you know her. A lot of you know has know her as Mel Robbins, but she's my high five sister, okay? I just know that whenever Mel steps in the room, your spirit and soul is lifted. And today, we're going to talk about everything of how science can help you manifest greatness in your life with one simple task. Get ready to trust and believe. Oh. Hey, Mel. Wow. Wow. That was quite an introduction, Sean, because I feel all those things about you. Oh, well, thank you. I will you walk say, into you know, a room and the energy lifts immediately. Speaking of walking into a room, first of all, one thing that I love about you is you know how to tell a good story. And, yes. you know, even though I know you, I still do a little bit of research about you, you know, because, you know, I open up social media and I'm just like, how in the world and how in the world is someone able to just really express themselves in that way? And I know I do it, too, but it's also really nice to see somebody do it on a different level and they're different on in a different way than me and i just i find joy in that so let's talk about really fast the the photo or painting in your pic in your kitchen like let's talk about that for a second oh okay so you're talking about yeah okay so uh what you're referring to is a story that i tell in this book it's the first time that I have told this story publicly. It's one of the most incredible stories of my entire life. And it, I'm going to tell it to you because I believe it is evidence that your mind is designed to help you. You always say trust and believe. And I think that one of the interesting things about you and I, Sean, is that we walk into a room and can lift up everybody around us because we trust and believe in the limitless capability and possibility in other people and in their lives. And so we hold the space for that. In researching and writing my first hardcover book in five years, dude, it's been that long since I've put out a book, I have come to realize that I had no idea how to do that for myself. I got tremendous joy out of it. I got tremendous um, uh, kind of empowerment from helping other people. But when it came to face-to-face, -face, being able to stand in front of the mirror and look myself in the eye and trust and believe in myself and feel that I was worthy, um, that has been something I have not known how to do until very recently. And so, you know, we'll talk a lot about the high five habit and how to learn how to trust and believe in yourself. But one of the stories that I tell in this book is about this moment in my life that makes no sense 
where I trusted and believed in the impossible and something miraculous happened. And as I tell you the story, um, I'm going to tell you the story first, and then we can go back and unpack kind of all the science that proves that when you trust and believe in something, or you trust and believe in a goal, or most importantly, when you learn how to trust and believe in yourself and your ability to figure things out, and the fact that your life is absolutely trying to lead you where you're meant to go, when you can live your life from that place, magical things happen. So the painting story. So the painting story starts in um, 19, uh, let's see, I'm, I was turning 21. So it was 1990 or 1989. I was a senior in college. I was turning 21. My parents had come out from Michigan to celebrate that big birthday with me. And we ended up, I went to college in New Hampshire and we ended up driving over to this very famous blast glowing mill uh, in Vermont that was near the college I went to. And something crazy happened that night, something that had never happened before. I walked into this busy restaurant with my parents and a bunch of my friends from college. And all of a sudden I stopped dead in my tracks because there on the wall was this incredible painting it was like the size of a doorway and it was, uh, turned, you know, kind of on its side. And it was this massive painting of a Vermont landscape. There were mountains in the background and a beautiful blue cloudy sky and the geese were flying in formation and a stand of trees going down the center, disappearing toward the mountains and the wind was blowing. And honest to God, Sean, I'd never had this kind of experience in my life. The sound in the restaurant disappeared. I was no longer standing in that restaurant. I was in that painting. I could smell the grass. I could feel the breeze. I could hear the geese. I literally lost myself in a piece of art. Never had happened to me before. And all of a sudden I come to and back into reality and I'm back in the restaurant. And I say to myself with a thousand percent conviction, someday I will own this painting. I trusted and believed it with every fiber of my being. And then I leaned forward and uh, the price was like $3,000. And I'm like, not today, not today. And, you know, I then walk back to the table and I sit down and my mom said, hey, where were you? And I said, oh, I was over there looking at that painting. And she glanced up and looked at it and then looked back down. And this is takeaway number one. Your life is trying to get you to pay attention to what's meant for you. And that painting was meant for me. Energetically, or energetically, there was just something about it that drew me in. It was not meant for my mom. It didn't, like she looked at it, admired it, and then went back. I got drawn in. And energetic, or energetically, when you are pulled towards something, either due to a negative feeling or a positive feeling, you need to start to pay attention to it. So what happens when you trust and believe and you get this moment where your nervous system fires up and you're like, I want this, this is important, is your mind pays attention. So in that moment, when I had that full body experience, Sean, I know this now of going, I'm going to own this someday. And I felt it. I felt it in my being. My brain's like, oh, this is important to her. Put this on a mental list. And you know, this is why I say a lot in this book, your dreams... And the things that you want in life, they do one of two things. They either pull you toward them or they haunt you. Like you cannot forget the things that are meant for you. If you have always wanted children and you haven't had them yet, you'll always think about it. If you've always wanted to be in a loving relationship and you're not, you'll always think about it. It will either haunt you or pull you towards it, which is why you need to find the courage to not only trust and believe it's possible, but to move toward it. So basically my life goes on, right? But I never thought about that. I never forgot about the painting. Anytime somebody would say the word Vermont, I'd think about the painting. Anytime I would pick up a glass, you know, and it was hand blown heavy, like the mill where this painting had hung, I would think about the painting because your mind doesn't forget what your heart desires. Your mind can't forget what is wired into your soul. And so my life goes on and um, I meet my husband and his family has a place in Southern Vermont. And I'm like, Vermont, we got to go. I got to go show you the painting. So we're talking six years have gone by. 
We then go up to the mill as we're driving toward it. I'm so excited, Sean. And we walk into the mill and there in the front entrance of the mill is another painting by the same artist. So I'm like, it's a sign. It's still here. And so we go all around the mill. Look everywhere. Gone. Gone. And the interesting thing about that moment is that Chris felt more disappointed than I did. And I think the reason why I didn't feel disappointed is because I trusted and I believed that it would be mine. And you need to give up your timeline. And I even turned to him and said, well, you know, honestly, it'd be kind of weird if it were still here. Um, it's been six years. And, you know, look, I know I'm going to own it. I might be 60 years old. It might cost me $20,000. I'm going to have to track down the person who bought it. And they're probably hanging it in a corporate lobby somewhere. I'm going to have to pay a ton of money for it. I am going to own this painting. I trust and believe it. And every time you affirm it, your nervous system knows it's still important. And your brain's like, I got you. I got you. So life goes on. And another four years pass. And I turn 30 years old. And my husband asks a bunch of friends and family, instead of buying me presents, just put some money together. Now, I'm pregnant with our first kid, right? And so I know Chris is thinking, put money together so we can buy a crib. Put money together so we can get stuff for this new dilapidated antique farmhouse that we have barely been able to buy that we are basically camping inside of like just you know we need stuff so he hands me this envelope with five hundred dollars in it and he says you can get anything you want and immediately my mind goes the painting so i you know pick up the phone i call the mill and I'm acting like I have millions of dollars. I have $500, which barely is going to buy me shit from this artist, okay? But I don't care. I'm walking toward what I want. I'm giving myself permission to desire what I want. And uh, the guy picks up the phone and he reps her art. And um, I say I have $500 and he pauses. And then he says, well, I can send you some Polaroids of some of the small ones. And so I immediately feel the sting. And we so often in those moments, talk ourselves out of moving toward what we want. But for whatever reason, I trusted and believed. And so I said, great, send me the small ones. And by the way, there was this one piece and I describe it in great detail. And then the guy goes, uh, I think that was before my time because I've only worked here a year, but I bet Gail would remember. So now he's like, I'm like, Gail, Gail Shepard, the artist, you know, Gail. He's like, of course I know Gail. She lives down the road. Like she's here all the time. I'm like, what? I have basically had an imaginary relationship with this artist for a, for a decade, Sean. I'm 30 years old with $500 in my pocket. I don't own a single piece of art. I am pregnant. I don't even have a crib for my child yet. And the guy gives me this artist's phone number. So now I'm like pacing around. Should I call her? What do I do? Why am I buying a painting? I need a crib. Like what the, what am I doing? And finally, Chris is like, would you just call her? So I pick up the phone. I call her. We have this incredible conversation. At the end of the conversation, I say, oh, by the way, there was this piece you did. I saw it about 10 years ago. I describe it in great detail. She pauses. I can hear her thinking. And then she says, tell you what. I have done so many large format Vermont landscapes. I would be so bummed if I guessed wrong. Why don't we meet at the mill? You bring oh, your husband. I'll bring mine. We'll have lunch together. I'll tell you the stories behind all I'm the paintings. Goosebumps. I'm getting goosebumps oh. right now. Like <laughs> freaking it's out. bananas. So I'm thinking this is great. You know, okay, I'm going to meet her. And, uh, and, and then she said, and if you don't like anything at the mill, we can go down to my, um, uh, studio down the road. And if you don't see anything that I'm working on there that you like, um, then you can look through my slides. And there are literally thousands of them, but maybe you can find a slide of the painting that you saw all those years ago. And, you know, maybe we can do something similar, you know, I don't know, like something smaller, you know, kind of thing. And I'm like, great. So fast forward, we go to the mill, we meet her. She's amazing. They're nearly twice our age. We're walking around and I'm slowly realizing I can't afford a single one of these paintings. So now I have massive imposter syndrome. Oh. I'm a month away from giving birth. I still don't have a crib for the baby. We sit down and then this was the moment. She said, now that we're sitting down, I have something to tell you. 
And she looked at me and she said, there have been only two times in my entire career as an artist that I have done two studies of the same scene at the same time. Your painting is one of a pair. And the sister to the painting that you saw all those years ago is sitting in my studio where it has been sitting for the last nine or 11 years at this point, 11 years. She gets, I, I, I'm like crying. Like the, 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 her husband, Sean goes, you should have seen her when she hung up the phone with you. It was like she had seen a ghost. And she said, I knew exactly what painting you were talking about because its twin was sitting in my studio, Mel, in storage. So we are now all like, can't believe that this is happening. We get in the car, we drive to the studio, and I walk in, and there in the middle of her studio on an easel is this painting, and it's taped up to this piece of plywood. And you can tell it's old. It's not like she just recreated this. I mean, this thing was kind of tattered on the edges. It had been rolled up onto itself. It was the most exquisite moment of my entire life because it was as if time had collapsed. And I was standing before the painting in 1989, declaring it would be mine. Mm -hmm. And now here I was 10 or 11 years later, standing before it, seeing it. And then I felt this massive sort of collapse, Sean, because I thought, I can't, I can't afford this. And so Chris walks over, my husband, and, and, you know, I've got those big tears hanging on my eyeballs. And I said, honey, I don't need anything. I don't ever need jewelry or a nice car. Just please, dear God, tell me you will buy me this painting someday. And he yells, hey, Gail, how much for the big one? And she says, well, for Mel she can have it for $500 because clearly when I was creating it 11 years ago, I was doing it for her. Now, Sean, this hangs in my kitchen. And every morning when I wake up, I see it. And it is evidence that you and your mind and your heart, like there is, there is a life that's meant for you. And your mind is designed to help you get it. Mm. If you allow yourself, A, the permission to have what you desire, and B, if you develop the habits to trust and believe that you have within you the mindset, the work ethic, and the ability to make what you want a reality. Now, it might not happen when you think it will, but if you remain open and you keep on practicing the habits of encouraging and loving and cheering yourself forward as you move toward the things you desire, and if you start to develop the habit of trusting and believing in your ability to face whatever life is going to throw at you, magical things happen. And you know... What when you said during that story, forget the timeline, I almost lost my mind because so many times in my life, people have told me, Well, you just got to where you were because you were lucky. And it just it really frustrates me because I know people say, you know, when preparation meets opportunity, but I've never put myself in a timeline. I've never put myself in a tunnel. I've never put myself in a box to allow necessarily luck to happen. For me, I made the decisions, hard, tough decisions to get where I am today for trying to survive sexual abuse, for moving out of my house at 14 years old to, you know, even at playing football when I was extremely scared to do it, to only getting four points in my first season of playing basketball and fighting through the second season to average 26 points a game, right? Like it's not, to me, it's not luck. And I hear that story and it, to me, it was about forget the timeline and continue to trust and believe. But you know, Mel, a lot of people, you know, when I opened up your book, you know, 
the high five habit to me, for me, I'm speaking specifically for Sean T. I open up the book and I'm nodding my head, right? I'm, I'm nodding my head right away. I'm like, I'm like, absolutely. Like, this is it. This is, this is almost a recharge for me. But I take somebody like my husband, Scott, when I met Scott, he like this it was would be foreign to him. He would just be like, he would say, okay, like I get it, but it doesn't sit in his soul, right? And that's why I call you a soul lifter. <laughs> it doesn't sit in his soul. It's not that he doesn't believe it, but he's like, okay. And then later in the, no, not the high five habit, the way we think, the way you understand that things happen through, you know, the science of manifestation, as you would say, right? Like this, he he was in a situation in his life where he's like, well, life, this is just what life is. Like you, sometimes you get thrown lemons, sometimes you get thrown, you know, strawberries, right? It was just kind of like life was a thought, not an action, if you will, and not That's a great taking life action. was a thought, not an action. You know, I also wonder if it's because he was a, he was in professional sports so well, much because he was in professional sports and he was deeply in the closet, but go ahead. Can you, your thought? So first of all, professional sports is all about external validation. Mm. So validation from your coach, validation from fans, validation from your teammates, validation from whether or not you score. So your worthiness and your sense of self-love comes from either achieving something. You're only, you're only, you only deserve a high five if you're winning, right? Only deserve a high five if you're winning. Only deserve celebration if you're winning. So you're always chasing something. And if you haven't achieved something worthy of celebration or worthy of support, you don't get it. And then the second piece of that is all of that external validation from fans and from goals and from, you know, coaches validating you and teammates validating you, that all makes you start to believe that your worth and your validation lives outside of you, which puts it out of your control. The second thing is if you are deeply hidden about your true identity and your authentic mm. self every day that you hide your authentic self, you are rejecting who you are. So you are standing in front of a mirror and you deeply in your soul want somebody to see who you are. You want somebody to give you permission to be who you are. You want somebody to validate that you will still be loved if you come out and live your truth as a gay man or being trans or being lesbian or being uh, somebody that doesn't want to go to medical school when everybody in your family did or somebody that wants to pursue a different path or somebody who doesn't want children or somebody who is going to quit your job and move across country even though your family you know doesn't want you to do that that if you are standing in front of the mirror and you can't look yourself in the eyes and celebrate your authentic self based on everything you've survived, all the abuse, all the trauma, also in light of all the crap you've done to other people that you haven't forgiven yourself for. Let's talk about that part. Right. Right? Like if you stand in front of the mirror and you are hiding that you are a gay man, you are not accepting and loving yourself. And so when I tell you the high five habit begins, this is just the beginning with being with yourself and raising your hand and high fiving the person you see in the mirror. The first five days you do this, Sean, it's weird. It's awkward for most people. You're going to feel tremendous resistance. You're going to think this is so stupid. But what you'll realize is every day as you raise your hand and then you start to grin and then you raise your hand, you're like, okay. Then you raise your hand the next day and you're like, I actually feel a little bit better. You raise your hand the fifth day. You're like, I feel like I could take on my day today. I feel good. I feel like I have my own back. What you realize, Sean, is that for somebody, for all of us, we stand in front of the mirror and what's in between ourselves and being able to see somebody reflected back that we love and that we're supporting and that we honor and validate is all of that freaking judgment. Everything that you're hiding all the things that you're ashamed of, all of your worries and fears. You stand with that every morning, which is why you criticize yourself or you ignore yourself. I want to talk about, you know, in the high five habit, you know, worry, shame, 
avoiding yourself, maybe avoiding conversation, there's one chapter in here that is like, oh my goodness. And I believe, <laughs> I believe two things. One, I believe that a high five in you, in the mirror, while some people on day one, two, and three might be like, what am I doing? You start to look beyond the hand and you start to accept the hand and you start to say, you know, I'm touching myself. I'm believing in myself. And now it's less about this silly act and more about holy shit. Like there's literally something happening in my body where I'm just like, no, I'm about to walk out of this bathroom or wherever you are. And I'm about to slay the fucking game. But there's one thing that I think gets in a lot of people's way. And I want you to like talk about this. Okay. Isn't it easier if I say nothing? Like that, how many times are people waking up in a relationship or thinking about something in their lives and they're like, I'm going to avoid, I'm going to avoid, I'm going to avoid. I'm not going to say, can you talk about that? Because I think this is going to change people's lives even more. Yeah. So, you know, it's easier if I say nothing. We are, every human being is so worried about what somebody else's reaction is going to be. And that's part of the reason why you won't accept yourself. You are worried about somebody else's judgment. You're worried that somebody's going to stop loving you. You're worried that somebody's going to be disappointed in you. And one of the biggest breakthroughs in writing this book for me is realizing that I think for the first 45 years of my life, you know, I have been crippled by the thought that if somebody's upset with me, or somebody's disappointed in me, it means they stop loving me. I didn't understand this, and I bet you can relate to this, you know, having two boys. When I was a kid, if my mom or dad was upset, I literally aimed it at myself. Something must be wrong with me. And then I went fast to try to fix it right? Something must be wrong with me. I better, I better change how I'm showing up. I better, you know, like, like, uh, not say something. I better act this way. I better make sure everybody's okay. I better edit what I'm going to say. I better say nothing that you literally twist yourselves in knots. So people around you are comfortable, but the person that you become uncomfortable with is yourself. And so when you can understand a couple things, first of all, that people can be disappointed in you and people can be mad at you. And they can still love you. Like there's shit my kids do. We have three kids, 23, 21, and 16. I just, but I never stopped loving them. And the person that we've all stopped loving is ourselves. Like as an adult, it is critical that you understand that the most important person for you to make happy is yourself. And if you spend your whole adult life trying to make your friends happy, trying to find a relationship so you're lovable, trying to make sure your parents aren't mad at you, trying to make sure your boss isn't mad at you, the one person who will never be happy is you. And when you can start to stand in front of that mirror and be with yourself and see somebody who's trying hard and see somebody who is worthy of love and see somebody who deserves respect, and then you raise your hand and you cheer for yourself and you support yourself, you are now giving yourself the respect and the support and the love that you're seeking in other people. And when you can give yourself those things, something interesting happens. You improve the relationship you have with yourself. And that's critical, Sean, because your relationship with yourself is the foundation of every relationship that you have in life. You know, in Scott's case, and you know, I feel bad because he's not sitting here, but I, I, you, I'm his friend and you. Well, he told me to tell you hello. So he's, he's here in spirit. (laughs) Great. So, so the thing about Scott is like, think about this when you're lying to yourself by keeping your identity a secret. And for some kids, it's a matter of life or death because you're in a situation where it would be dangerous to, reveal to the unhealthy or abusive adults to you what your truth is. But when you become an adult or you can get out of that unsafe situation, you have to stop lying to yourself because if you lie to yourself, you will lie to everybody else. If you don't love yourself, 
you won't let anybody else love you because at mm. your core, you have a deep belief that you're unlovable. And so you will constantly find yourself in relationships where you will prove that pattern true subconsciously. If you don't respect yourself, you will not accept respectable behavior from other people. Mm. And so it all starts with you. And that's why these habits around learning how to interrupt the critic, learning how to reverse and break the habits you currently have. So let's think about, let's talk about habits. Everybody does have habits right now when it comes to looking in the mirror. You criticize yourself, you ignore yourself, you judge yourself, you withhold love and, and uh, support and encouragement. And I want you to break those habits. I want you to create the opposite habits. I want you to be able to stand in front of a mirror and see somebody that is worthy, see somebody who's lovable. I want you to treat that person with respect. I want you to encourage them. I mean, life is a marathon. You got a ton of people that listen to you that are into sports. You've seen a marathon. We as spectators don't stand on the side of a marathon with our arms crossed at mile seven and go, yeah, I'm not clapping for you. You're not there yet. Yeah, you look terrible. You're dragging yourself. Oh God, you might as well quit. Why'd you even start the race, you idiot? Like, like we don't do that. We clap, we high five, we celebrate people every step of the way because we know it empowers and encourages them. Your life is a marathon. You need to drag yourself into that bathroom every morning. And because you've survived what you've survived, and because you're here trying another day to do a little bit better, that, my friend, is worthy of celebration and support. And, you know, I also love what you said, Sean, about how you know, you really are starting to see yourself because I've been doing this now for a year and you don't even have to, when this becomes a habit, it's just a switch in your mind. Like the high five habit is a cheat code to, to literally erasing the default programming and putting in positive new programming with the benefit and help of science. And over time, what happens is I don't look in the mirror and criticize myself anymore. I have foundationally changed my brain. I do not even have to high five myself because I don't, I actually feel like a high five when I see myself. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Kleenex ultra soft tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex ultra soft tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. I think the high five habit is literally such an incredible foundation for people because I remember in the past, the first thing I would look at are, is everything I didn't like about my body. I was just like, oh my gosh. And so I would tell people, okay, when you look and, in and mirror, can, you, can you please tell me exactly <laughs> what centimeter of your body would that be? Because well, I have seen your body, not all of it, but I have seen your body and I, do, I can't even possibly imagine. What you would well, I'll tell you, but I'll tell you when I think of body, it's I'm so happy you asked that question, because for me, body is not just, you know, the muscles. I hated my face, Mel. Like I hated my face to the ump degree. I talk about it in my book, too. I hate literally. I was just like I had these big fat cheeks. I was I was just like it's not symmetrical. One of my eyes is a little more closed than the other. I was nitpicking all of these things, right? And so what I would do is instead of trying to dissect my face, I would just say, I'm going to go to like my best asset, which for me at the time and still now was my ass. So I was just like, I would just like turn, walk in the shower. It's usually the last thing to leave the mirror. And I'm just like, Okay, like that's what I'm going to focus on. And then it started to work my way up. So today, you know, when I'm high-fiving myself and I see my hair and in, instead of being like, oh my gosh, like this, this is out of place. I was like, you know what? Mel's going to like this hair. Like I don't give it that amount of energy because the thing that you most of the time don't like about yourself is what other people absolutely love about you. It's a lot of people's favorite thing. 
Um, speaking of that, though, you know, there's something that when people see Mel Robbins, if they never researched you or if they never really listened to the depths of your soul yet, one thing that they won't understand is that you struggle with anxiety and panic attacks. And while, you know, right now we're recording this in Mental Health Awareness Month. And I, I and a lot of people are talking about anxiety now and mental health. So can you tell people how you have kind of risen through that? I'm not going to say above it. I'm just going to say through it, because I think when you're in that through line, that's where it becomes tough and how the high five habit can help you through that. Absolutely. What a great question. Um, So a little bit of context setting, because most people, you're right, would look at me and never realize that I struggled profoundly with anxiety Mm. for 30 years and that. I didn't understand anxiety. I did not understand the uh, connection between your nervous system and your mind and how if you don't attack anxiety from both your nervous system and your mind, you will never get in front of it. I will tell you, Sean, I consider myself to be cured of generalized anxiety. Mm. Do I have an anxiety response to certain situations that are anxiety inducing? Of course I do. But do I have the um, experience where I'm constantly on edge or my thoughts are constantly spinning? What if I'm constantly living in the future and it's a disaster? No, I've actually broken that habit. And so I want to explain how you can do it too. And I also want to say that I took Zoloft for two and a half decades and that was life-saving, life-saving. I took Zoloft too. That was, that was the medication I was taking, but we can talk about that later. Go ahead. <laughs> no, it's okay. It was a life-saving because it gave me a ladder to climb out of a hole. And from there I could continue to do the work. Here's what Zoloft didn't address. It didn't address what the high five habit does. Mm. It didn't address the deep self-loathing and habit of judging myself that was at the heart of a lot of the anxiety. So in terms of anxiety, here's what I want you to first understand. Um, start calling it an anxiety response rather, and this was, this is new to me. Just say it, I am having an anxiety response because then it doesn't feel like you have been labeled with somebody. It doesn't become part of your identity. I'm having an anxiety response right now. And, um, what is important to understand, and this is all the stuff that I didn't understand, Sean, is that there's a connection between your worries your nervous system, and um, an anxious response and panic attacks. And so let me explain this real quick because I think it's going to help people and then I can help you with the high five habit and one high five tool called high fiving your heart in particular. So here goes. So um, most anxiety, unless it is an anxiety response to past trauma and past trauma anxiety all begins in your nervous system, not in your mind, okay? Uh, Your nervous system happens and responds quicker than your mind starts formulating thoughts. So if you're somebody that has a lot of past trauma, um, the smell, a certain smell could trigger you to feel anxious. A time of day could trigger you. A sound of a car pulling up on gravel could trigger you. Um, A certain song could trigger you. And the reason why is because whatever your traumatic experience was in the past, when that happened to you, your nervous system recorded as much as it could around you so that in the future it can alert you to a similar feeling or a similar time of day. So for example, Sean, a lot of people who struggle with chronic anxiety will feel um, anxious around five or six o'clock at night or when the sun starts to go down. And the reason is why? Well, it's because that time of day is a big trigger for people because in a lot of people's households, when mom or dad came home from work, the shit hit the fan. And so your nervous system remembers that. And even if you're in a safe relationship or you're very happy in your life and you start to feel on edge at five or six, so you reach for the bottle of wine, it's probably due to stored trauma in your nervous system that is having an anxiety response as an adult. So the first thing I want you to understand is that you can 
um, take control of your nervous system. And so we write about this extensively in um, The High Five Habit. This is something that I started to do in the pandemic again when my life turns upside down and my kids were full of anxiety. And anxiety is really contagious. So you can catch it from other people. You can catch it from an environment. And so all you need to do is take your hands and put them against your heart. I put them right in the center of my chest because like Sean, I got really big mitts, so it hits my heart. I'm going to take a deep breath. And then you're going to say, I'm okay. I'm safe. I'm loved. I'm okay. I'm safe. I'm loved. That's it. And you can say it 13 times, 57 times. Just say it over and over until you feel yourself literally come back into your body and you can feel you go from a place of feeling on edge to actually feeling cool. Now, if you have little kids, you can teach this to them. You can also do this for them. Put your hands on the front and the back and have them say it with you or just repeat it. Because if you can say those words and you can hear those words, it's actually true in this moment. And that will bring your weary nervous and on edge nervous system. And everybody's nervous system is on edge right now. We have lived through such sustained uncertainty and trauma and racial injustice and polarization that everybody's nervous system is on edge. So I want you to start to introduce this into your morning routine right after you get out of bed. Just give your heart a high five. And one of the reasons why this works is because when you press right in the center there, you're stimulating what's called the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve is an on-off button in your body. And it switches off your on-edge sympathetic nervous system. And it turns on your cool, calm, parasympathetic nervous system. And that is going to make you feel more in control. The other reason why this is important, Sean, is because based on research from a uh, one of the world's leading neuroscientists, Dr. Judy Willis, your brain cannot focus and it can't process new information when your nervous system is on edge. So if you right now are having more trouble than ever with energy, with focus, with simple discipline, um, it's because your nervous system is on edge. And so start every day by giving your heart a high five, come back into your body, settle your nervous system, and now your mind is ready to help you today. Then what you're going to do is you're going to go, and of course, I want you to stand in front of the mirror and I want you to set an intention. Who, and I want you to do this right after you brush your teeth. And I want you to do it after you brush your teeth because I want you to do what's called habit stacking. So when you, when you marry a new habit with an old one that you already do every day, and let's hope you brush your teeth every day, just like you got to clean your teeth, we got to clear out the crap in your mind. You're going to stand in front of the mirror. You're going to take a deep breath. You're going to look at yourself and you're going to realize you don't ever look at yourself. You pick yourself apart. You ignore yourself. Just be with yourself for a moment. Notice what comes up and then think about who am I going to be today? How am I going to show up for myself? What's the game I'm going to play? What matters to me? And then you're going to raise your hand and you're going to high five your reflection. And the reason why this works is also based in science. So Dr. Daniel Amen just geeked out about this. He's one of the world's leading experts on the brain. And he explained to me that you don't have to say a word for this to work because you've spent a lifetime high-fiving other people. And so, Sean, when you, when you give somebody a high-five, what does it communicate? Yeah, I believe in you. I love you. I see you. Let's go. You got this. Keep going. If somebody's going down and you give them a high-five, it's like, pick your attitude up. You can do this. Come on. And so all of that's programmed into your subconscious. When you go to raise your hand in that gesture you've done a hundred times in your life, at least, Guess what happens? The subconscious part of your brain recognizes the high five and now marries, I believe in you, I love you, I celebrate you, I see you with your own reflection. It's impossible to stand in front of that mirror and actually think, my hair looks like shit, my face is ugly, my cheeks are fat, and high five yourself. You can't because you've never high five somebody with the intention of saying you suck. You've only ever high five somebody to lift them up. And so it shuts up the default negative crap in your mind. And it marries with your reflection and programs into your mind. When I see that person or think about that person, I believe in that person. I trust that person. I have that person's back. That's my person. That's what you're saying. And especially on a morning where it's really hard and all you want is somebody to pick you up. I'm here to tell you that's when you need it most because when you high five yourself, you're saying, I know it's hard and I'm proud of you and you can, you can do this. 
That's the kind of trust and belief in self that we all need right now. And you're going to give it to yourself five mornings in a row because you've got to push through that resistance until you actually start to realize, holy cow, this works. And, you know, in the beginning, Sean, it's just something you're going to do. You brush your teeth, you set an intention, you high five yourself in the mirror. Over time, what I'm experiencing and what you're experiencing happens. It becomes part of who you are and how you relate to yourself. Two things. One, uh, I want to thank you for that. And, you know, we, we talked about Scott a lot during this episode, but one of the things that he's helped me through is my anxiety. I struggle with health anxiety a lot. I can feel like- What do you mean? I can feel my my arm twinging and I think that I have cancer on the bone. I can oh. feel my stomach has weird and like it is literally the worst thing. So like two and a half years ago, before the pandemic, and I want to say thank God this was happening before the pandemic, because if this was stacked with the pandemic, I don't know what I would have been going through. <laughs> but a couple of years ago, you know, I had one weird poop. And I'm just being very honest. I'm going to be, yep. keep it real. I had one weird poop. Was it like the color or the shape or what? That it was out? the color. Okay. And all of a sudden, I was like, I have colon cancer. And I went to my phone and I Googled everything. And I only Googled the things that would show me what the worst outcome would be. And when I tell you for two weeks, I was frozen. I had, I was already, I had Alex and Scott and my mom and Chip. I had all of them on my deathbed. Like I was like, this is how I want my funeral to be. Like I had planned everything out and I, it, sounds, it sounds so funny to a lot of people, but I swear. And I'm going to events and I'm doing this stuff. And I was in, I was doing one of the most incredible things for me that I had ever done in my life. I had to fly to Philadelphia. I was um, a judge for the Eagles cheerleading competition. Oh my my mom Absolutely. was there. You know, my mom was the person that and told me And this whole that time I, you're thinking you have cancer. This whole time. And so I get in the, I get in a hotel room with my mom and she's like, Sean. And I was just like, I hadn't seen my mom in a while. And she's like excited to see me. And my mom was like, Sean, you don't have cancer. And she like kind of talked me through this. But anyway, this, it's an entire story. So anyway, I get back to Scott and he was like, okay, the first thing we have to do is we have to stop Googling. The worry is going to continue to happen, whatever. So I never did this though. I never said like, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Well, and I'm going to give you one other thing I want you to do. You okay. ready? Because I, mm -hmm. I realize that I did not even finish what I was, what I, what you had asked me to oh. talk about. Oh, was no, anxiety. it's fine. <laughs> no, let me give you another one because okay. it starts in your nerve. So I'm okay. I'm safe. I'm loved. It's going to help. I'm okay. I'm safe. I'm loved. It's going to help. What, what escalates anxiety in an alarm response in your body, Sean, is exactly what you just said. The thoughts. And so the second you have one, what if, what if I die? What if this is it? What if it is cancer? What if it's not this? What if it's that? What if it's blah, 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 blah. you start spinning and spinning and spinning. And once you start to get really agitated, your mind, just like with the painting, every, the mind, my mind knew the painting was important. You start thinking a thought over and over again, your brain actually believes it's important to you and it filters the world in real time, not just in Google searches. You will start to notice everybody that you know has cancer or every article that you see says something about cancer because your mind is paying attention to what it thinks is important to you. And when you repeat worries, it literally filters the world in real time to show you more of what you're worried about. It doesn't know any better. So we've all experienced this phenomenon. When you shop for a new car, and you have never, ever seen the new cars on the highway, right? And then all of a sudden you're like, I want the new Bronco, I think. And you're like, does everybody have a new Bronco? Because I see them everywhere. You're like, that's <laughs> a new Bronco. There's a new Bronco. There's a new Bronco. They've been driving around for weeks, but it's not until you literally are like, oh, that's cool. And your mind's like, oops, Mel and Sean think these are important. Let's just show them all of them. Right. <laughs> so your mind, that's an example of how your mind changes its own filter in real time. And this is important because like the painting story, you can tell your mind what you want to believe. Hmm. And so if you get trapped in the what if loop, there are a couple things you can do when you feel your thoughts spiraling your anxiety. First of all, as you know, the five second rule, count backwards in your own head, five, four, three, two, one, and then just say, I'm not thinking about that. I'm not thinking about that. I'll be worried about cancer when somebody tells me I have cancer. I'm not thinking about that. Like just literally, I'm not thinking about that. Um, 
And then there's another thing that I've recently started saying that has been amazing. Um, and this one has worked really well with my teenage daughters too. You ready? <laughs> yes, when you I, get yeah. caught in the what if this, what if that, what if that, what if the plane goes down, what if this happens, what if the other thing, um, what if it all works out? What if it all works out? What if this is the hardest thing I've ever gone through? And it's leading me exactly where I'm meant to go. What if this pain is preparing me for something extraordinary hmm. that hasn't happened yet? What if it all works out? Why not trust and believe that even the hard stuff is meant for me? Doesn't mean I deserve it, by the way. But what if it all works out exactly how it's supposed to? What if I give up my timeline, my expectations, and my fears, and I just go with it, and I face whatever's coming? What if it all works out? It's so, like, what did you feel in your body? Say it out loud, and then tell me what you feel in your body when you actually embrace that thought. For me, when I say, what if it all works out, I just feel an overwhelming sense of, for me, it's about the joy and celebration, and I actually sit into this peaceful state like peaceful celebration not necessarily like ah, you know party but like a peaceful celebratory calmness if you will and you know that takes me to th the very last question which i have for you today i could spend all eight hours of the day with you obviously hmm. now in fitness and what i do for most of my career i try to get people to a state of sustainability meaning regardless of your weight, like, what are you going to do when you get there? Because everybody wants to lose the weight, but like, what do you do when you get there? Do you even know what to do? Because if you're going to get there and we're going to still play the yo-yo game. And like I say, the yo-yo is a kid's game. Like that, you know, we're not playing that in the office. Right. So what happens when someone gets to the point and they're like, Mel, I have high fived my way to greatness. How do they sustain the feeling of greatness when it comes to the high five habit? So this is beautiful. So at the moment in my life, when I stumbled into this high five by mistake, Sean, I had made more money than I ever thought I would. I was, I had achieved more impact than I believed possible. I was about to celebrate 25 years of marriage and I have three healthy kids and a beautiful life. And I had no ability to feel content or joy or acceptance for myself. I didn't know how to do that. I knew that we need to take care of ourselves and love ourselves and put ourselves first. I didn't actually understand what it meant or how to do it. I was my own worst critic. It didn't matter. Like I've never like been worried about the haters or bothered by criticism because the kind of stuff that strangers say to me, that's nothing compared to the shit I say to myself. Like, geez, <laughs> try a little harder if you want me to feel bad. <laughs> right. So what I can tell you, and you said it there, you you already said it, Sean, is you said everybody's chasing the number on the scale or the size of the pants they want to wear because you think when you achieve that thing, you will be happy or you will love yourself or you will be able to finally be worth all of the things in life that you want, that somehow that weight outside of you proves something, right? And what I've come to profoundly realize is that the secret to everything, the secret to greatness for sure, is being able to stand exactly where you are in this moment right now. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. 
and United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And to see somebody who is doing their best and who is so worthy of love and celebration and to love and support yourself through life, every step, every moment, every single day. To me, when you start to do that, that is the heart of the high five habit. It's the heart of high fiving your heart, which is basically supporting yourself through a moment of stress or anxiety or panic, soothing yourself, seeing yourself, knowing your needs. When you can do that, first of all, you're going to feel more inspired and empowered because you're a person who's worthy of feeling healthy and vibrant. So you'll feel empowered and inspired to do the work versus dragging yourself, you know, to turn on Sean T. You know why exercise is hard is because deep down, you have a belief that you don't deserve to feel good. You have a belief that you're not worthy of all this. And you have a belief that it's not going to work out anyway. And I'm here to tell you that if you start looking yourself in the mirror every morning and raising your hand in celebration and support, you will have already achieved the thing that you think the number on the scale is going to give you. Yes, you will feel proud of yourself when you achieve those things. But losing weight or getting in shape doesn't make you worthy of love. You are worthy of love and support because you're breathing. You are worthy of love and support because of everything that you've survived and because you're still waking up every day and doing your best to do a little bit better. That's what makes you worthy of support, your existence. And when you start to celebrate those little things, just breathing, just the fact that you brush your teeth that you're standing here with yourself, that you've life's been hard, you'll start to accumulate these tiny little wins that creates a sense of momentum. I mean, imagine sending yourself into your day with a sense of momentum and knowing you got your own back. We had somebody write to us, Sean, who was in a domestic violence shelter. And she you know, said, I've had a lifetime of trauma. I've just lost everything. I've got nothing. And it's going to take a tremendous amount of time and work to rebuild my life. And she said, but you know what this high five habit is teaching me every morning? I still have me. I can have my own back and I can face no matter what happens today. And when you have that sense, you can climb any mountain and you can start to feel good about you, the human being, instead of chasing it, you will be it. That's how you achieve greatness. No. I love you so much. Thank you so much. Oh, I want to high five this book. Everybody out there, listen to me when I tell you, no matter if you've had much greatness in your life or maybe you're still going through struggle. You know, people say through struggle comes strength, but I think the strength is in the struggle. It is those step-by-step moments that you have to, that you have when you're growing they're the things that's going to help you sustain that feeling. They're the things that sh- you should attach to. And Mel created such a simple task that's going to help you literally achieve greatness in your life so that you can continue to trust and believe in who you are. And it all starts with a high five of you celebrating who you are every single day, every morning. Mel Robbins, thank you so oh, much. Sean, hold on a second. We got to tell him. You guys got to join me and Sean T and all kinds of amazing people. We're doing the high five challenge. It is free. We're going to give you the tools, the coaching, and the community that you need 
to not be alone in your underwear, but we're all going to be doing it together five mornings in a row. It's totally free. Sean's going to send you the link in the show notes. You have to do it. This huge community, literally hundreds of thousands of people around the world are going to be doing the five day five challenge and Sean T is joining us. So uh, make right. sure you click that link. And Sean, thank you for supporting that. I really appreciate it. Of course. So make sure you click the link in the bio. Follow me. Um, so Mel, I'm going to do something very special. Oh, well, I think it's very special. So when we do our high five challenge, five days, right? I'm going to put this book somewhere in every picture that week. It's just going to happen to be somewhere. So people are going to have to try to find the book in the picture. I could be dancing. I could be shaking my ass in a Speedo. It don't matter what's happening. This book is going to be somewhere in a video and a picture that I post for those five days on Instagram. So you guys will not only comment on the post a picture, you have to find the high five habit in there and i want and i'll tell you what if you're if if you're in a place we can uh send you a link to an audiobook i'll double down and i'm gonna let you give away five audiobook links that week to your audience john five audiobook links so you guys need to stay stay with us stick to it make sure you go follow mel on instagram uh and keep it here and trust and believe mel thank you so much i love you sean i love you thank you